When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm delighted. I've been la-di-da-din. Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top. Man, these boys, they be potting. I trust them like a lot. And they told me that I get it. Guess what? I got it. You should do it too. You will never lose. If you ever do, must have been a ruse. Ricky, that's my dude. Stoops are super cool. Sharks up in the pool. I've been sparking up my tools. I've been looking to win. Spend a little again. I've been first fiddled it in. My God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David in life. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the medley, alright. De- David delight. De- David delight. Da 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 David delight. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Delight. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to continue on with our position and player profiles. We're going to tackle the quarterback position inside the Big 12. I said it right. I'm very proud of myself. I've been saying Big 10 about 50 times. We've already talked about the Big 10, but we're going to talk about the quarterback position inside the Big 12. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Stoops. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm sunburned. I went and played some golf yesterday, but had a good time out there. I'm recording from my my house that I grew up in when I was a kid, so excited to be here. Um, but no, definitely excited to talk about the Big 12 quarterbacks. Um, I know you love the quarterbacks in general, so this is always one of your favorite episodes to to dive into. So definitely excited to, to go a little bit more into it. I agree as well. There's there's a lot of question marks. You know, it's kind of like when we talked about the SEC. There's it's a little top heavy. You know what I mean? As in, and it's not even like super duper top heavy. It's just top heavy to the point where it's like there's like a guy or two at the top, and the rest of the guys. There's a lot of new guys coming in. There's a lot of new faces, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do as a collective whole within this uh, environment. And I'm kind of excited to talk about it. But I'm even more excited because we. Um, uh, with our transition to the Big 12, we are joined by a special guest today, host of the Debbie Diet, uh, the Debbie Marketplace, and a Debbie analyst at the DFL, uh, DLF Football. Here we go. Mr. Kane Fossil, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on in this early Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you the time, and you're like, oof, I guess I'm going to have to get out of bed. I was like, man, I, w- the goal is obviously to try to kind of knock it out first thing in the morning. <laughs> And it's like, you know, whenever I talk to people about coming on, they're like, what time do you record? It's like uh, 8 a.m. on a Saturday. And they're like, oh. I'll I'll tell you, anytime you can wake up right away and talk football, your day's just starting in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So at least, (laughs) at least, you know, I got that going for me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So for you as a collective whole, your thoughts just in general about the quarterback position heading into this season in college football. do you feel better about this year than you do last year's? In quarterbacks in general? Yeah, for for the upcoming 2021 draft, per se. I, I think we already know who the best quarterbacks are. That was kind of a mixed bag at this time last year, right? We had Tua, we had maybe Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, but there always seems to be one guy that comes out of nowhere. And who knows if if we're actually able to predict that, whether it's Trey Lance right out of NDSU, if that can be the guy that really takes that next leap. But there always seems to be one quarterback. And trying to predict that, I think, is the near impossible part. Yeah, there's a lot of different names. Like, you know, you have the Trash, you have the Costellos, you have the – there's a lot of different names from top to bottom that you're like, all right, this is the this is going to be Joe Burrow this year, right? right? Everybody wants a Joe Burrow. And, I mean, obviously in the Debbie field, you want a Joe Burrow as well because you want to be ahead of the game. 
And, you know, for a guy like Trask, you know, what do you just real quick, you know, let's let's get Stoops really mad early. Let's hopefully. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What are your thoughts on, on Trask heading into the season as well? I know we're totally getting off Big 12 topic, but. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that people need to keep in mind is before starting games this year, when Franks went down, he hadn't started a game since his seventh grade year. Um, so people really need to remember that, right? Derek King was the quarterback in front of him all through high school. Then he goes to college at Florida. Felipe Franks is the quarterback. So he hasn't really started a game, right? So the things that you would expect to see from a guy who doesn't have much game experience w- was on display, right? He's skittish in the pocket, um, doesn't always throw from his front foot, throws from his back foot a lot. Those are things that can be coached out. So I think that Tress does have a higher ceiling. Then most people lead on, but right now he really needs to have a good offseason with Dan Mullins to really try and uh, get better at some of those things, especially inside the pocket. We know he has the arm strength and the arm talent. That was never a question about Trask, but it's just the other intangibles that just come with repetition that he doesn't quite have down yet. But I like Trask overall as a player. And me as well. And uh, Stoops, I'm going to let you lead the way here with your quarterback for this week. Who are you going to talk about, bud? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about uh, Spencer Sanders, quarterback out of Oklahoma State. So he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was 171st ranked player in his class. And he was the number eight um, dual threat quarterback coming out and 17th ranked player in the state of Texas. So um, the biggest thing that I know a, a lot of people – probably recognizes he is a running style quarterback obviously he was ranked as a dual threat quarterback and he definitely definitely did that and did it pretty well um I'm gonna jump into the pros first I usually do that a little bit later but for me when I was watching some of his his game film he's very good at the read option I absolutely loved it It helps having Chuba back there right obviously when you have a top-notch running back like that obviously defense has got to take him into account but he's able to read you know the ends or the even a corner if he's on a blitz or linebackers it's kind of whoever he's able to read those players and, and decide do I keep the ball or do I hand it off he seemed to do that very very well um there was one throw man it was against I think it was Oregon State I mean, I'm, yeah, Oregon State. Um, ended up, it did end up being an incomplete pass, so he let him a little bit, a little bit too far. But he had an amazing throw inside the red zone. It was literally you put it where you need to put it. He threw it towards the back pylon. It was either going to be his receiver catch it or essentially an incomplete pass. His receiver made an amazing uh, catch, but it, his foot went out of bounds, unfortunately. So it was an incomplete pass. But just seeing the the ball placement that he has, I do love seeing that, especially out of a freshman. He was a redshirt freshman um last season but seeing that type of ball placement on plays like that I just absolutely loved loved seeing that um and there were times and I don't know I don't I I don't know if this is something you can really do intentionally I think it's something that you can kind of see and hope it happens but there were multiple times where his receivers would be one-on-one right and they'd be down the field and he would give it to him on the deep pass but it was almost like he and maybe it's just lack of arm strength. That's honestly probably more of what it comes down to, but it seemed like it was a little bit more underthrown, but it created a pass interference call every single time. So I don't think that's something he's doing necessarily intentionally, but it seemed to happen quite a bit, which obviously gains you huge chunks of yards. So definitely, definitely enjoyed seeing that from him. And man, he, he's an athletic guy, right? He, he has the running ability. He is able to create more time inside that pocket, um, he's able to roll out and he doesn't necessarily always choose the run first, but at the same time, he kind of does. And that kind of transitions me into some of the cons that I have about him. He does seem like a one read quarterback, right? So it, it seems like he looks at his first read. It's not there. He takes off and runs. I'm hoping to see a, a better transition of that into the second season for him. And I think that's something that can definitely be worked on. It's just comfort in the pocket, right? And, and his first, um, especially at high school, I mean, when you're a top athlete, we've seen it, right? You can throw the ball, but you're just going to run around everyone. When you're a D1 top athlete like that, it's just kind of how it is. So I think he kind of transitioned and took that with him going to the pro, I'm sorry, the college level. But I, I would love to see him be able to make it through his progressions a little bit more before making that decision. So definitely seemed like a one, a one read quarterback to me as of last season. Another thing, um, you love a tough quarterback, right? You love to see that. But he, he's not afraid of contact, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you're, you're, more often than not, because he's what, 6'2", 195 is what he was listed as. 
when you start going up against a linebacker, you know, that's let's call it six, four, 240, you're not going to win that battle more often than not. So trying to run through a player of that caliber, of that size, is just going to make it a little bit more difficult, and especially on his body. So I'd love to see him get down a little bit more. And he does run out of bounds at times, but whenever he's in the middle of the field, he just needs to slide down and not really try and run through the player, um, especially if you're only going to gain an extra yard or so. Now, if it's for a first down, all right, I can understand that, you know. But um, – he definitely definitely uses that, his athletic ability, and I, I think he's he's taken on a little bit more contact than what he really needs to. And then my biggest thing is this with him. So the interceptions of, were a concern last season. So he, I say only, right, but he threw 11 interceptions. That was the 12th most last year um, in the NCAA. But my biggest concern with that is how many pass attempts he had compared to interceptions. He had 247 pass attempts, which isn't a whole lot but he threw 11 interceptions. So basically 4.5% of his throws were interceptions. So I kind of went and looked at it, right? We always talked about Jordan Love. He threw, I think it was 16 interceptions. But when you looked at his pass attempts, 3.4% of Jordan Love's um, pass attempts went or, or were an interception. Um, Aaron Gordon, 2.3. Anthony Gordon, I'm sorry, Anthony Gordon. Uh, 2.3% of his passes were, were interceptions. And then McDonald, Cole McDonald, 27 and then um, was it Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA? He was at three point three percent, and he was in. And Thompson uh, Robinson had three hundred and sixty-one. Everyone else had over four hundred, almost uh, five hundred pass attempts plus. But I'd love to see him clean that up because he has so few pass attempts. I would love to see the interception total go down, right? I mean, having four point five percent of your throws go for an interception essentially doesn't sound like a whole lot, but but it really does start to add up over time. But him, um, what I noticed for sure is him and Tylen Wallace, right? They had a chemistry that was just top notch. I mean, some of the throws he trusted Wallace big time. Sanders trusted Wallace as he should. Um, Wallace is a top notch talent as well. So I absolutely loved what I saw on film. And that's the biggest thing. His, his numbers aren't going to speak for his abilities, is my honest opinion. But my my notes down here, I've got it. So essentially, the numbers don't don't give the whole story. Um, you've got to watch his film, right? There there are moments there where he shows what his abilities are and what they can be. It's just being a you know a redshirt freshman. You know you're coming in. It it's a lot to take in. So I'm hoping having a full season under his belt, going into a second season, he's able to make those transitions and become a better better quarterback. Make more reads, right? Don't just look at your first read. But my concern, and I, I hate to say this, is if we don't see these progressions that we really want to see, my feelings are going to be like they are towards a Kellen Mond. And I'm not trying to bring him into it, but it's one of those where, you know, you saw glimpses of it first year. You're like, all right, make some transitions. Made a little bit, but not a lot. And then we go into a third year, and we're still in that same boat, right? So I'm hoping with Spencer Sanders, I'm hoping we can see some progression and see him, you know, excel in these other areas that, that we may have a little bit of concerns with. So the numbers don't speak the whole story. I think you got to watch the film. And I, I've been guilty of that before where I'm just all a numbers guy, right? I got numbers. I got numbers for days. So I'm, I'm in love with this guy. But then I watch a film and I'm like, I don't I don't know. Like, yeah, he's got numbers, but it's not really something that may transition to the next level. And as Devi, you know, especially in a deeper Devi league, I don't think Sanders is one that in a shallow Debbie league that a lot of people are going to be drafting. So I think he's definitely someone in a deep Debbie league that people look at and he's worth a shot. I will say that being early on in his, his college career, he's, he's worth a shot, but um, got to watch the film on him. And I, I think you'll see some, some, some um, traits that, that could transition, but there's still a lot of, a lot of work to be done in my opinion for Sanders, but I do like him. I enjoyed watching the film. Kane, your thoughts on Sanders. Yeah, I think it's just pretty telling, right, that he didn't have sometimes the greatest stats. But that happens when Chuba Hubbard has over 2,000 yeah. rushing yards <laughs> and averages six and a half yards a carry. Like, if I'm the coach, I'm not going to throw the ball when I'm averaging that. Like, why throw the ball when you're averaging six and a half a carry, right? So they didn't rely on on Sanders to do that. Um, I think it's this year, right, it'll be – a little more telling, assuming that people know what's coming with Chuba Hubbard, right? <laughs> Coaching staff should have known last year. <laughs> they didn't um, because he still averaged, what, six yards a carry his freshman year. Yeah. So people should have known, yeah. <laughs> right, that that he was going to be this, this all-star player. But we have to assume that if more people are going to load the box, that means that Spencer Sanders is going to have to be relied upon um, to really get the ball down the field. 
and and use his arm. And personally, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Um, I like to look at you know, just his mental processing and what's between the ears doesn't doesn't match up with what you want in a quarterback going to the NFL. Um, he doesn't process quickly. Like like Stoop said, he is very much a one-read quarterback and he doesn't process very quickly. Um, so that, that leads to him getting skittish in the pocket, which with a dual-threat quarterback, every time you feel skittish, you're going to run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so he's not a guy that's going to hang in the pocket and and make that throw while getting hit. Um, if he feels any pressure, he's just going to take off and run, which I get it. In the Big 12, that's perfect because their defenses are duke, are dookie, right? Like bad defense, bad linebackers, bad cornerbacks, that means that you can run. Yeah. And there's only really one team in the Big 12 that actually plays zone defense, and that's Iowa State. So, you know, when you're having deep routes down the field, that's terrific for a mobile quarterback because you can take off and run and pick up the first down every single time. Um, but I think overall in his development, he needs to take a big step forward, knowing that he's going to be really relied upon to get the ball down the field, assuming that people finally realize that Chuba Hubbard is the guy that needs to be stopped. <laughs> right. As soon as they stop, as soon as they start putting eight in the box and realize, hey, if we stop Chuba, we need Sanders to throw the ball in order to them for them to beat us, not for but Chuba. The, you know. the worst part is that people actually did that. And yeah. Chuba's just so fast. That, you know, if he finds a hole and you're not in it, he's yeah. gone. Yeah. Like, Dude's insane. Watching him. Like, we – obviously, he was one of my favorite running backs to watch last year. Who Who's wasn't, right? And then when he decided to come back, I was really kind of heartbroken because I was like, I want, like, all of the Chuba. And, and this running back class is insane. But just watching that team, you would think that you would try to slow down the biggest proponent of that offense, and that was obviously Chuba last year. But we we've seen that with so many college teams, right? Yeah. Like with with Florida years ago, it's like, oh, just stop Tim Tebow from running. We'll accept <laughs> him throwing the ball. Like, just don't let him run it, right? Yeah. And people still couldn't do that. Yeah, it's exactly. the same same with Vince Young, right? In in the Rose Bowl against USC, mm-hmm. uh, just all the stuff that we can bring up over and over again. It's like somehow college coaches sometimes don't figure out to stop the best player on the team yeah and it's just bananas (laughs) like why don't you do that it really is because like even if you like the game that you mentioned it was at some point it's like all right when are you going to take vince young's legs away from him like you know it's like you're we're watching it from home and i feel like we're getting like we're we're i mean obviously we're just all you know coaching from the couch here but you know it's like hey stop his legs you know what i mean it's like hey stack the box, try to stop Chuba, make Sanders beat you with his leg, just like you said with Chuba. It still is going to happen anyway, right? You know what I mean? Right. But when you're playing, on, especially some some of the games where Chuba's playing, you know, they're playing some of the lesser schools, but like in a national championship level, it's like, hey, stop this guy so he can't do what he does best, and then you can hopefully beat them on ever, you know, other levels of the game. Right. All right, so I'm going to talk about a guy which you coined a hilarious uh, – for me, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger, who's been at Texas for about 1.3 million years. Yes. Um, Ellinger, 6'3", 230, four-star prospect. Ellinger's a dual-threat quarterback, which I think sometimes people forget about. Um, he's accounted for over 80 touchdowns the last two seasons, which is only uh, behind Joe Burrow. Um, his stats over the last two seasons are actually kind of mind-boggling, right? 6,955 yards. He's got the um, – 65% completion percentage, 1145 yards and 23 rushing touchdowns um, as well, which, you know, combines for those, those 80 touchdowns, which kind of blows it. Watching Ellinger, you, he's like, he's like that sneaky agile. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I really liked about Ellinger. When I watched that LSU game, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh man, I love this Joe Burrow kid. And then you watch him, you know, you watch Ellinger and you're like, man, I really like this Ellinger kid. And I feel like his defense really let him down in that game. There's a lot that Ellinger did last year that was approved upon from the year before. But I still feel like even with his 90-year reign in Texas, he still has so much more room for growth, right? He started out so hot. He threw 11 touchdowns, one pick, but then struggled in October, eight touchdowns, six picks. He needs to be more consistent. Another alarming stat that I really saw that really was mind-blowing to see was he had 20 touchdowns, two interceptions in the first half of games. But then of course they had the 12 touchdowns and interceptions in the second half of the games. 
breaking down some of the pros, I think his swag, I think he has good swagger, right? He has the swagger on the football field, but then sometimes it just kind of disappears. It reminds you of like Baker Mayfield. When Baker Mayfield's on, I'm not comparing the two per se, but when Baker Mayfield's on, it's hard to stop Baker Mayfield. But when Baker Mayfield's in a funk, Baker Mayfield's swagger just kind of falls off the falls off the rails. You know what I mean? I like his ability um, to want to learn. His accuracy was mind blowing. Better from eighteen to nineteen. I really enjoyed watching his progression within that. It was something that I really enjoyed watching Justin Herbert do from eighteen to nineteen as well. I felt like his accuracy and his timing was a little bit better. I still feel like when I'm watching his tape, though, there's so much more, so many more questions than there is than I have that are so much pros when it comes to him. Red zone efficiency, obviously 17 touchdowns, one interception. You love to see that. That's something that you really, really enjoy. But when it comes to the concerns, when it comes into 2020, when we're talking about Sam Ellinger as a quarterback, he's not talked about amongst these top quarterbacks that's going into this draft. I feel like that that once you get out of the fields of Lawrence and even, you know, the, the, the hype of, of, of Lance is even real now, you know what I mean? You've got the trash, you got the Costello, you've got the Ellinger, you've got all these guys that are mixed together in this four through 12 range, you know, you got the Purdy's and, the, and, and stuff like that. But none of these guys have really shown what it's capable of taking the next step. So they've got a new offensive coordinator. Okay. Will the lack lack of the off season will that hinder him this year? Will he struggle without Duvernay Johnson? They accounted for fifty percent of his large last year. Um, Brandon Eagles is back. He caught thirty two passes, five hundred twenty two yards, six touchdowns. He had the highest yards per catch on the team last year. Tariq Black is coming in from Michigan. I like the pickup. I mean, going from catching passes from Shea Patterson to catching passes to from you know Sam Ellinger is like going from Dilford to Marino. You know, it's it's, it's light years apart. Um, but again, the concerns here, this is what I really, when I'm watching the tape, I really just cannot fathom the idea of why there's such a breakdown in mentality for him. First down, 64% completion. Second down, 64% completion. Third down, he's very inconsistent on third, 57% of his passes on third down. Um, he needs to keep the chains moving. The home road splits are another thing that's insane. He plays awful on the road. 19 touchdowns, three interceptions at home, seven touchdowns, six interceptions on the road. His accuracy is a concern. At times, he has a nice he has a nice pl- uh, a touch on that short intermediate play. He does read a defense decent. You know what I mean? There's times again, he has very hit and miss. He's a guy that if he puts the pieces together, you're going to enjoy what you're watching. But that's the problem. He's never been able to consistently do it at a high level. He does see the field r- rather well. I want to see the improvement from. I'm good on first down. I'm good on second. I'm pretty solid on third down. I'm good in the first half. I'm good in the second half. He struggles against the big, you know, the big time games are another thing that, you know, you watch him struggle with last year. There's a couple games where he, you know, he goes out there and does four touchdowns, zero interceptions against LSU. And then he turns around against TCU, throws two touchdowns, four interceptions. It's like, where's the inconsistency? And, and, one of the things that I'll never understand or learn is the rushing attempts in college football. But I mean, he, it's one of those things just really weird. It's, you know, you get negative yards for whatever's going on in the world, but you know, he had 663 yards on the ground last year, seven rushing touchdowns. You know what I mean? If you think about that on the next level, if you think about that on a Sunday, you know what I mean? If you have a guy that has over 600 yards and seven rushing touchdowns to go on top of his 3,600 yards and 32 touchdown passes, you're going to be very pleased with that in a fantasy turmoil. But again, we're talking about college where you see him consistently kind of take advantage of lesser teams and then continue to struggle a little bit against some of these better teams. Iowa State, he struggled against, though. Baylor last year. Baylor, he was awful against Baylor last year. I watched that game through and through, and I literally just wanted to throw something at my, you know, at the screen because some of the throws he was making are so bonehead. Um, He's very tippy-toe in the pocket. When the pocket breaks down, he gets very inaccurate, and I understand. There's a lot of quarterbacks that do that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how I would feel if I'm in the pocket, you know, getting pressured by a lot of different players, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 something that he needs to work on. I think the biggest thing heading into this season is is the chemistry between him and his receivers, is that going to hold him back? Is the new offense going to potentially hold him back? You know what I mean? That Those are the biggest concerns, but I feel like with Ellinger, he's willing to learn. He's willing to take the next step. I think that he's willing to understand. Obviously, with his, you know, the, you know, him being a 23-year senior here, he should show the improvements and should be better. And 
if it's not going to happen this year, Ellinger's just going to fall to the wayside. You know what I mean? He's not going to be, he's going to be a fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. That's going to be lost completely in the shuffle in a couple of years. Um, Kane, what are your thoughts on Ellinger? So I'll, I'll preface this by saying I've watched way too many Texas games in my life. So my, my brother's a diehard Longhorns fan. So the amount of Texas games, right? And every time I cheer for whoever Texas is facing, because that's just the brother, the it's the brotherly thing, right? For sure. Like it's so outside of being diehard Minnesota fans, like I'm an Oregon fan. So every time Oregon plays, my brother cheers for whoever they're facing, right? It's just that brotherly thing that you have to do. For sure. So nothing will make me more happy than the Michael Crabtree touchdown against Texas to win the Big yeah, 12. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can bring that up every time. And he will just start swearing about the linebacker that didn't jump high enough to hit the blah, blah, like all this over and over again, right? Um, so, so that happens. But I think the thing with Ellinger is when the offensive line health went down so far as the season progressed this past year, um, Ellinger had had just a tough time. Um, it was it was bad. The offensive line was really really bad. Yeah. Um, and it was a rotating box of who was going to be bad and who was going to be hurt. Yeah. And there was and there was no real way for um, for people to know what to actually expect from him when he gets time in the pocket. He's absolutely terrific. Yep. One of the better quarterbacks right when he gets time and who knows if he's actually going to get that time, especially at Texas. Um, and he, he's also a guy that, that seems to excel um, when he's losing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when, right. Like you mentioned his, his first half stats versus second half stats. He's normally not losing badly after the first half. But that LSU game, when he constantly had to keep making big throw after big throw after big throw, then right we saw a lot of success in the second half as well. And we actually saw Ellinger kind of make Delpit look like a fool. Right? Just where he was throwing the ball all over the field, and he just looked absolutely terrific. Um, and then we see just, like you mentioned, against TCU, against Baylor, and you're like, stop <laughs> like throw exactly. to the open guy <laughs> exactly and so that that's kind of one of the things that that irks me i don't think he it's not that he doesn't read a defense but his progression isn't fast enough um he can read the defense really well just the progression doesn't move as quickly as people want it to but i think he's easily going to get drafted there's yeah. not a scenario in my mind where ellinger doesn't get drafted in the 2021 draft like it's going to happen Sure. Um, it's just it's just about where he's going to get drafted and if there's actually going to be a chance for him to start rather than just being a perennial backup. Um, but he's not the worst choice that you can make, right? Round no. six, round seven in a Devi draft. He's not going before that. No. He's not even going in the first five rounds in a super flex league. So you're fine. Um, I think yeah. it's a fine shot. And he's one of those guys that I would look to sell as soon as he has a big game. Like yeah. he's the first couple of weeks, he's going to have just a monster game, and I would sell him instantly. Yeah, the thing about it is, it's it's so impressive to watch him. And then you're right; it's like you're, you're so frustrated. And like the breakdown, you're right. The offensive line was struggling bad, and then of course you had the injuries within the wide receiver position. But you're right; it's like his he's like a half a hair behind, right? So, you know, when he's getting ready to go to that second progression, they're already getting ready to sack him or he's already got to move out of the pocket. Um, he doesn't have a – and that's another thing I forgot. He's, he's, pre, he's got a pretty solid arm when it comes to throwing on the run as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's not bad. There's a lot of the he does well. And I don't hate that idea either because you're right. They're going to come out the gate. I think with his – for me, consistency is going to be key this year heading into the football season. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to really show out the first couple of weeks because they've been there doing that already. You know what I mean? He's been there doing that. So he's going, he kind of knows the offense. He does in a way, but he doesn't. Like I said, the concern with the transition into the new offense coordinator is going to be interesting. I think it might not be as bad, but the chemistry between the receivers might be a question mark because they're not all there. But if he does come out guns a blazing, you're right. I don't see a scenario where he's not drafted either. It's just going to be, if he has a really good year, he could go to that higher round 
of which, you know, he's getting drafted. And then, of course, in Debbie, you know, it, it's he's worth a flyer because if he goes out there and shows out, right, if he goes out there and says, you know, I'm going to be the Sam Ellinger that we've anticipated to see for the last eight years, we're going to be excited about it, right? But at the same time, you're like, is he going to be able to translate that to the NFL? And that's kind of the biggest question as well. Yeah, and I think one thing that really confuses me, especially with him being a dual threat quarterback, is just how slow he is to set his feet outside the pocket to throw. That just boggles my mind. Right. Yeah. Like as soon as he gets out of the pocket, he's still skittish out there and he doesn't set his foot his feet to throw. He just throws. Yep. And that's why he I think that's why it seems that defenses are a little ahead of him because you don't have as much arm strength on the ball. You basically basically give away where you're throwing it. Yep. When you Your do body that. Body language so, and and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the things that that he has to work on. I will tell you that uh, most Texas fans are very excited about the new offense. The I, offense that they were running. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I'm excited about the transition as well. I'm just concerned with the lack of preparation, the lack of time kind of to acquaint himself within that offense. You know what I mean? We're missing an entire spring right. semester, stuff like that. It's a very interesting time to transition especially from your junior to senior year this is the year that you kind of need to show out you kind of need to be out there in the world and be like yeah i'm here i'm a quarterback i'm i should be talked about amongst the top guys etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that the offense is going to be very good and could be very beneficial for him as long as he picks up fast as long as the guys around him i think the lack of chemistry might hurt him with his within his receiving core as well well but and i, and, I think Brennan Eagles, like he came yeah. out and basically said that he not gonna may play. not play. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're talking about chemistry and that was one of the guys he played with before. So you're thinking going into this season, you know, all right, we've got that. We've got the chemistry. But if he doesn't, you know, for, for personal reasons, right, if he doesn't come out and play now, you're down even more some some chemistry. So it's going to be interesting for sure to see how things transition. So highlight star, like do whatever you got to do on Jake Smith. Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. is he going to get just a bajillion targets? But what I, I will say to your point, Ricky, about about this, are they going to really know the new offense? And I think the benefit of that is that the offensive coordinator might just tailor the game towards what Ellinger does really well. And he does things, some things very, very well, Absolutely. right? Like, like you mentioned, but if they can tailor it just to that, and focus on what he does well. I think Ellinger can have just a crazy season, and I I'm hoping right that that a running a running game that's worthwhile is back in Texas. Um, <laughs> I, you will not find a bigger hater of Keontae Ingram than me. Um, I lost many weeks because of Keontae Ingram in my college fantasy football lineup. Um, the drop touchdown against LSU on fourth down. Yeah. I think that basically just ruined his season. Yeah, the thing right. about they, it was, they've got the new guy in. They got Bijan. He's going to take over that backfield. He's I be think the they still give Keontae the ball. Robinson's going to take it. Watch. I'm not even a Texas fan. I'm not even a Texas fan. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the first seven, eight weeks, though. No, nah, probably not. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's another thing that people fail to realize is that run game has been really brutal for for Ellinger, but also at the same time, like we talked about that offensive line has been putrid, right? So how can yeah. you can't even get a run game started when that offensive line is, and always, it, it seems like it's a consistent theme and it has been for a couple of years that Texas offensive line is just never good. It's, they don't it's, recruit good linemen. No, they don't. It's like, they have all like, that's all you heard about. Remember the LSU game? All you heard about, they have 98 five-star athletes on the defensive side of football playing against Joe Burrow today. And like your offensive line is filled with one and two star lines. It's like it doesn't matter how good your defense is if, if your quarterback right. can't get protected. You know, that's what you saw in that that LSU game was was first off one of my favorite games I've ever watched. Loved it. Just it loved was, it. It was amazing, and that was the day I fell in love with Joe Burrow as well. That's I literally said after that I was like Joe Burrow's winning the Heisman. Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow's going to be it after that game. And but at the same time, I was equally impressed with you know, with Ellinger in that game, because I felt like he was, he was always a step ahead, but that fourth down catch, that drop was infuriating. I feel like Texas could have won that game or been in the game, had a few little things. It was not because of the lack of Ellinger playmaking because he was playmaking. Right. And then of course you face LSU who was just 
out of this world last year, right? They were just absolutely absurd. And, and Burrow was just one-upping. Ellinger would throw a touchdown, and then it was just like, Burrow's like, okay, cool, I'll throw another one. You know what I mean? And then I'll throw another one. And it's Yeah, like, but Burrow had this run game that at least helped him throughout ex- the entire yeah. game. And exactly. Keontae Ingram was averaging, I, I can probably pull up the stats here, but Keontae Ingram did not play well that game. No, and that's 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 again that's the other big thing is is like that that you have you had the play action you have the run set up you have you have all these things that you have and he just did not he just never has it and it's that's yeah ten carries for twenty nine yards <laughs> <laughs> right and that and that goes back to the offensive line not being good for Texas and facing really elite pass rushers for sure and just elite defensive linemen that LSU had. Um, and oof, I, I don't like Keontae Ingram, but I just want him to be good. Cause I know he's going to be a steal in college fantasy lineups, but mm. also that yeah. game, that game did help me win a lot of money. If we, <laughs> when you can bet the over on LSU and, 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 uh, Texas, you should. Yeah, that's yeah. That game was just like, I mean, Jefferson was insane. Duvernay had a monster game and I like, there were, and even Brennan Eagles had a monster game. Like it was a huge game. I just I'm looking at the I'm looking at the game right now, and it was uh you know you had uh, Jefferson Chase and Marshall all had over 100 yards. Um, you had Eagles over 100. You had Duvernay over 100. That's it, it was just a huge huge. I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, you had Ingram average 2.9, and then you had Edward Hilaire who averaged 5.8 you know yards of carry. You know what I'm saying? Like you know a double doubled what he averaged that's going to help your passing game a whole lot and and that's that's the big key of you know when you have your quarterback lead the way in rushing almost every single game that's when you uh, and he's not your prototypical I mean he's a dual threat right but when Ellinger's leading your your team in rushing that's that's where you kind of have some issues when you know a lot of things are breaking down and Um, your backup running back is your quarterback three Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah Exactly. And that's, 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 that's pretty brutal. All right. So uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the big 12 quarterbacks as a collective whole. You see, it's kind of top heavy. There's some guys that got a lot of question marks. I guess the guy that I want to talk about right off the back, and it's going to be the popular name is Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. My question to you, both of you, first, I'll kick it off with you, Kane is, is how, what do you think he compares to the Jalen Hurts and the Kyler Murray? Do you think that he's going to be on that level? Do you think he could be better? What are your thoughts on him coming into that job? Um, so I see him more as Baker Mayfield than either of those two guys, right? Much better arm, um, better accuracy. Um, isn't isn't going to capture that lightning in a bottle like Kyler Murray did just because he's not as elusive, not as fast. Kyler Murray, probably one of the fastest quarterbacks we've seen, right, in college in a very, very long time. Um, so I don't think we're going to see that at Oklahoma. But what we are going to see is just, a person, uh, a quarterback that doesn't miss. He's Spencer Rattler is a very, very highly accurate quarterback. Um, he, you know, if you watch any of the training that he's doing, he's still incredibly accurate. Um, so I think that's what they're going to rely on. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the running game can help him. Um, they just got a new coach in DeMarco Murray as their running back coach at Oklahoma. Um, so I want to see, you know, what they're able to do if they're able to do something in the running game to help out a really young quarterback. Because we know he's going to excel in the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Who doesn't excel in the system? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I might excel in the system. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, exactly. And that's it's crazy to see how they're pumping out these quarterbacks. Because for me, it's like, all right, are any of these guys... Kyler Murray's been kind of the he's been insane and then he I think he's going to have another breakout season this year coming up. I think he's just one of the best assets at the quarterback position you can have and and well just in fantasy who upon Devin as a collective whole. Um especially out of the three that have come out in the last couple of years. Uh for me it's always been like I think I thought I always felt Jalen Hurts was going to be he's going to be that guy that we talked about how great of a season he had, but I just don't ever see it translate into the NFL. It's like there's a lot of quarterbacks like that, right? There's a lot of quarterbacks that are just like these insane talent, insane college football seasons, and then it's just like it never translates to Sunday. And it's like differentiating the system versus the quarterback is kind of hard whenever you see every single year you've got a quarterback doing what they're doing in that system. Stoops, your thoughts? No, I I agree. I think he's going to come out and 
I think he's going to produce like we expect him to. Um, I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's the system, right? Who, who, who wouldn't excel in that system? So it's going to be fun to watch. I think a lot of people have been waiting for that moment. I, th- I think a lot of people thought it would be last season, right? And then Hertz obviously transfers there and we kind of, you know, and, and I don't think, I still don't think a freshman quarterback coming in and sitting behind someone, um, whatever that experience level may be, right? I don't think it hurts a prospect at all. So I think being able to kind of take a step back and not really have that 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 pressure, right? All that pressure on your shoulder, which I think I think he's a guy that loves that. He loves the 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 spotlight. He wants to be front and center. I think that's just what um what Rattler loves. Has there been a quarterback coming in with more swagger? Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. It's probably that's why it's probably a good reason for him to sit. I yeah, don't think and, his head could have gotten any bigger. Yep. Helmets say, wouldn't have fit. Exactly. So I, I do think though that he he's going to come out and I guess you could say prove a lot of people right. I, I there there's probably some people out there who who question whether what you know what he can really do. But like you said, that system is gonna is gonna cater to him big time. I think he's gonna fit very, very well. I think the Oklahoma team is gonna be good again. Um, it's just, it's, he's just, he's, he's set up for success is ultimately, you know, where it's at. So, um, a lot of, a lot of top targets there, right. Um, CD lamb's gone. Um, but you know, you've got, what is Hasselwood? You've got Theo Weiss. You've got, you've got some other guys. You've got Brooks in the backfield. So the talent's still there. The defense is going to still be there. out too. He tore his ACL. Well then, <laughs> didn't know that. He's still got but targets. You got Rambo. <laughs> Rambo. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. Rambo. Yep. So like Rambo just because of his name. So name alone yeah. drafted. <laughs> so exactly. I know I like him. I, I think he's going to excel in that system. I think he's going to excel this year. We're going to definitely see what what we were expecting to see. But yeah, having having sat for a year, I think it did him a good. You know, it did him justice. So I, I think we'll we'll see some good stuff from him this year. Uh, quick thoughts, real quick on who are some of your favorite quarterbacks within this in this conference. Debbie wise and even you know real life wise do you think any of these guys are viable to uh that could help eventually on Sundays Brock Purdy I love Brock Purdy I think he's my number four quarterback in the 2021 class right now um there's definitely some things he needs to work on but some of the intangibles and reading a defense and just being quick with the ball his mental processing is really good. His high football IQ. Uh, that's something that I want on my team. I think he's going to be drafted in the first couple of rounds if he comes out this year as a junior. Um, I think he's just a really, really good player, especially when there's hardly any pass catching weapons that he had last year. Really no pass catching weapons again this year that are high level talents. I'm going to have to rely a lot on Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler. Um, Charlie Kohler, if you need a deep tight end in a tight end premium league. Look at him at Iowa State. Um, but I think Brock Purdy is, isn't is getting the respect he deserves because of some of the things that we see with Kyle Trask, right? Throws off of his back foot, sometimes gets skittish in the pocket. Um, because he throws off his back foot, some of the arm strength concerns are there because he doesn't put his whole body into the throw. Things like that that you, that you see time and time again with quarterbacks. Um, the mechanics just aren't fully there. But Brock Purdy has some of the, like, just his football IQ and reading a defense makes me want him on my team. You can coach the other stuff. You can't really coach reading a defense. Exactly. You either got it or you don't. Yep. That's so one of the big things I that I, that's, that's one of the big things that I always preach about with the quarterback position. What, what can I teach him? Right. You know what I mean? I don't, I think pocket presence is one of those things that you can't really teach and grasp 100%. But the football IQ of reading a defense is something that you're just like, either you, like you said, you either have it, you don't. And and watching some of Purdy's tape, I was very, he has a, he had a sneaky eight touchdowns, right? Right on the ground, right? He had a sneaky eight. Yeah, he had three in one game. I mean, he had the big game against, you know, it, it, where he had six total touchdowns combined, but he's kind of sneaky on the ground with his ability to be able to, he's not going to, don't, don't get me wrong. He's not going to be out here Jalen Hurts in it or anything like that, but I think that he can make plays with his feet that are quite impressive. If he can take that next step forward, that that game against Oklahoma was absolutely impressive, right? You watch that tape. It, it was a huge game, a hip, huge pivotal turning point for him as well. Just and, have that one throw on repeat, right? Where he oh rolls out left and throws it just deep down the middle of the field. Gorgeous. It, it, it's it's beautiful. And you're right. And that's the thing. Like what I like about Purdy 
is the simple fact that he does it without the Duvernays, without the without the CD Lambs, without all these multi-level talents that really just knock it out of the ballpark. Stoops, your thoughts on Purdy? No, I'm a huge fan. Um, I, I don't remember where I had him ranked, but um, I know I had him in that 3-4 range um, as well. So I'm a big fan of Purdy. Everything y'all said is, is, is spot on. I'm a big I'm fan. I'm hoping it's four or else that's some Trey Lance disrespect. <laughs> well, oh, well. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got Lance at five. So let's not talk about Lance. So um, he lives about six blocks away from me. So. <laughs> the thing about it is, it I, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the Lance thing. Let me see another year of it. You know what I'm saying? I, and, no, and, I get that. You know, it's it. That's the big thing for me, right? I think, I think one of the reasons. Sorry to get off topic here, Stoops. I oh. know you're going to talk more about Purdy, but the thing that gets me right. So I'm, I live in Marshall. This is where Trey Lance is from. Like, this is just a really big thing for our community, for him to succeed. Sure. Right. And just knowing that, right, it, like, kind of feeds into me loving Lance a little bit more. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Just, just knowing how much everyone from this community is really cheering him on. Um, and I think I think that's just important. And I love seeing small communities, right, that mm-hmm. have just this one all-star athlete that 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 it happens with like where I'm from just 15 miles away way Carrie Tullifson uh, was an Olympic runner like and that was the biggest thing to ever happen to our area in in right years yeah and and now and we still talk about it like it, that happened when I was in middle school and we're still talking about it and like just this Lance hype in Marshall um, I think is just a really really fun thing no, that's all. That's that's something I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't know, but that it, it's true. There, there is so much to like. Whenever you watch him, I just felt like he kind of went from who is Trey Lance to oh my god, Trey Lance is you know the next big thing. And and don't get me wrong, like I said, there's stuff I like. I just want to see more. Uh, I want to see more of him being a, a quarterback than than we than we get to see. And, right, and uh, the best team in the FCS that rolls over everyone. He's yeah. the quarterback. So yeah. Like- Exactly, but but the th- the thing about it is he's got a lot of things that you can't teach either. You know what I mean? I'm, and his arm is just oh my goodness! It's a rubber it, band. It's it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It is beautiful. And like I said, I mean, I, he kind of reminds me of this year's uh, Jordan Love. You know what I mean? He you know there's a lot of he was very uh, Jordan Love was a very mixed bags for me. Um, still is a mixed bags for me. I, I was not a Jordan Love guy. Never will be a Jordan Love guy. Um, Jordan Love's going to be one of those guys in five years will probably be the best quarterback in football. And somebody will be bringing up all my tweets of Jordan Love sucks. <laughs> Jordan Love sucks. You know, and I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? I'm okay being wrong. But um, obviously week one, right? Is it week one, Oregon? Right? Yep. Yeah. That's the big game. I think that's the probably the biggest game of his career. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of hype there. Um, I think it's maybe not biggest game of his career if you count the FCS championship or whatever it was. I, I you know what I mean? Biggest game as in the most talented, I guess, level of, of, of playing field that they're going to play. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. Um, but yeah, just Trey Lance, just, just do it again. That's all I really want. You know what I mean? Right. And Oregon has a great chance to start 0-2 for the first time in how many years? Yeah. They're, they face Ohio State week two. <laughs> that, <laughs> so. God, we Oh, that is... That's the thing. Like this year is going to be insane, right? There's going to be a lot of teams that, like the SEC, I think is wide open, right? You know what I mean? I think USC should run away with the, the with, with you know with the Pac-12 out there. I think they should run away with it. I think Slavis is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know what I mean? So I think Tyler Show at Oregon has the possibility to make Oregon relevant this year, but it's all going to rely on him. For sure. Yeah, the first year. You know, it's yeah. There's going to be a lot of there's a lot of different things in play that I'm excited about. You know, God, if we could have had spring ball, God, yeah, right? like yeah. so many ans- so many questions would have been answered, right? That we wouldn't have had to talk about all the time because <laughs> on, on all these schools that we don't know who's going to start and who's going to be the starting running back and the starting quarterback and will freshmen matter earlier mm-hmm. in the season? Yep. Like that's what spring ball does, right? Yeah. With the guys that enlist early and oh. I'm just going to get worked up talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it hundred percent. Like it's even for me, like uh, with Michigan, who's going to start a quarterback. You know what I mean? I, I really, really hope that, you know, 
McCaffrey's not the guy. And I think that he's going to be the guy based on there's no spring ball, right? You know what I mean? I think Melton should be the quarterback, period. I, I just, I really do. Um, but I think that this lack of offseason is really going to play in his, you know, play in his favor. And Harbaugh will probably just play both of them by midseason, you know what I mean? And, you know, Michigan will just lose to Ohio State again. And we'll just rinse, recycle, repeat again. But that's that's quarterbacks by committee always effective. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> well, when you go from Shea Patterson, a quarterback by committee might actually be a good thing. So, um, on true. that on that note, can drop us some plugs, man. Where where can we find you? Where can we find your work and stuff like that, my man? Yeah, so you can always find me on Twitter at Devi underscore Kane. All of my writing is over at DLF. Um, we do have a Patreon channel for our, our podcast, Devi Marketplace. We're paired together with some of the guys from the Dynasty Draft Room, and we made the Draft Lounge because we just wanted a place to talk about college football. And and getting in in-depth conversations about college football on Twitter ain't it. Um, it just ain't it. Like, not everyone fully grasps the college game. Um, and people are coming in it from so many different perspectives on Twitter that we just wanted a place just to talk about college football and to talk about Debbie and, and, and just do that. So we made, we made that and where we just talk about football all the time with some great guys over there. Um, and then soon we'll be starting up another season of the Debbie diet where I just eat food and try to compare them to a player. Um, it's really more about the food than it is the player. I love it. Cause I'm just fat and hungry. So, <laughs> same, my man, same. So that's kind of just where I'm at. Uh, but thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Man, we appreciate you coming on the show, my man. Uh, go ahead and over to Twitter and give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. Give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and continuing supporting us. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.